Anthony Gordon has a reputation because Todd Bohley tried to sign him. Todd Bohley would sign his own fucking forehead with a permanent marker. Like, <laughs> that's not a sign of a good player. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. I am perfectly happy with the squad because we are not playing in Europe or the cup competitions. We have 18 matches left in the Premier League. We have options. We have two players for every position. I think that is enough. Since Unai Emery said these words in February after the transfer window closed shut and he got a left back and he got a young striker for the future, Villa have played 11 of those 18 games. Villa have won seven of those 11 games. They've drawn one, they've lost three. And today, off the back of winning four in a row, facing into tougher fixtures, as most of us sort of prepped ourselves for, what would you say, a realignment, (laughs) reverting to the norm. You and I, Emery, presented to Villa Park what I think we can all start calling the new normal. And (laughs) even with Saudi Arabia and all their might rolling into town and all their momentum, even with the unquestionably great job Jason Tindall has done. <laughs> with Cash still out, Kamara, Coutinho still missing, not even a Leon Bailey lying around. Aston Villa produced one of the most complete performances I can remember. It was tough, mean, hungry, winning second balls like they never get another chance to win one. Fucking class and, and inventiveness, bravery. Every single player so bloody dynamic. Every matchup making Villa actually look like the better team. And they were relentless. Attack after attack. Tackle after shoulder challenge after foul. For 94 minutes, Villa hounded Saudi Arabia all over the turf. And the whole end was bloody rocking on its hinges. What became very clear to everybody, Villa are a real, live, deserved contender for European football now and nobody nobody would bet against them it, it was an international incident really I mean like <laughs> I, I, I know Emery is, a, is about a month away from being given the freedom of Birmingham but you can't publicly flail the Saudi ambassador to the UK like that's not what that means Emery it's an honorary title really you don't actually have the freedom to commit violent crimes and certainly not against diplomats anyway but what he does have the freedom to do is come up with game plans to motivate players, mutilate oppositions, metaphorically. Like he's, com- <laughs> he's, com- he's completely unencumbered by fear, negativity, doubt. He's completely free to think about the game or who he wants. And the speed of our play today was incredible. The speed and the execution, the confidence in the players to execute it. Like that wouldn't have been an easy thing to instill. Like Saudi Arabia are flying. Like they're 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 going to be in the Champions League. And convincing the players to play like that, trusting them and them trusting you as well. Like these things aren't that easily won. And when you combine that with with Emery's identification of space, I, I think you know, Emery sees in space, you know, like the fucking predator sees in infrared. <laughs> the negative space is just glowing red when Emery <laughs> looks at a football pitch. <laughs> Do you remember our nephew asked our ma, what is nothing, Granny? And she was like, What? <laughs> He could have asked Emery, and he would have gotten an answer. Like he would, have, he would have just shown him the abyss over Botman's shoulder, the chasm between the Saudi midfield and defence, the space between Anthony Gordon's ears. You know, 
Emery, Emery's identification of space, the one-on-one battles you talked about there, and then sickening the right players with the right balls in the right areas. It was incredible. And you're absolutely right. I think it is the the best performance I can remember. And it just kept going. It never let up. What is nothing? And I, I'll tell you what nothing is, son. Nothing is opportunity. Like That's how he looks at it. You're right to see that space people drop into. It. Imagine, imagine how those players are feeling right now. They didn't just beat Newcastle. They hammered them. Every one of them got the better of their man. Every one of them played well. Every one of them turned on the ball, picked passes. Every one of them came, like because we didn't really make any subs until very late on. And they were all sprinting, all charging down. The crowd were loving it. Even when Watkins' goal was rolled offside, the crowd got even louder because it was clear this team is dominating them and they just kept going and kept going and the fact that they did it in the early kickoff on a Saturday as well it's just a lovely bonus isn't it they start off our weekend oh absolutely but the domination as well like what a boon to these Aston Villa players but I, I said this a few weeks ago as well before they won five in a row to be fair <laughs> I, I I think Saudi Arabia <laughs> for Saudi Arabia to get to where their Minister of Foreign Affairs wants them to get to they need to they need to sign eight or nine players for the first 11. I mean, if I was an IM reader, I would have put both teams on the wall and then asked the Villa players, who's getting in? Like, who are you taking? Like, you, you might try to find space for Isaac and Gumeris, but after that, like, can you name Saudi Arabia's midfield today? Uh, Jolinton, Gumeris, and Danny Willock. Yeah, fucking Willock. I couldn't remember it until the <laughs> subs were made. Like, I honestly, honestly, I, like, I looked it up just before the subs were made. I didn't need to waste time on Google, but I honestly looked. I said, like, who is? Who's the third one? I couldn't remember. <laughs> they, they, they brought on Matt Target and won the Longstaffs. That's a crime against football. Like, you, you can't just bring on Target and won the Longstaffs and we're, we're all sitting around trying to enjoy a bit of football on a Saturday afternoon. And if Eddie Howe thinks being the Saudi ambassador to the UK gives him diplomatic immunity, he's wrong. That, like, that's, that's too much. <laughs> Well, let's go through the joy of all these goals. The first one, I mean, I remember, was Carlo Ancelotti in charge of... It might have been Scolari was in charge of Chelsea, and I still remember a match of the day package. And it was one of those actually worthwhile packages where I learned something from it, and they, they were pointing out this this style of play that Chelsea had brought in under Scolari. It was the, the forward-back-forward passing. You know, the ball goes forward, it's dropped off, and it's played further forward again. and It just drags teams all over the pitch. It's hard to get a handle on them, and... I mean, this was it. You know, Doggy to Medea, back to Dundonker. Dundonker to <laughs> him again, and then McGinn gets it onto his left. It's not Bailey out there. But McGinn comes onto his left, and it's just a deeper, lovely ball into Watkins, who doesn't even bother trying to shoot because he knows I can just sit this on this velvet cushion of a head of mine and present it for Jacob Ramsey to drop kick in off his left. And it was two of those forward back forwards both times, and this one from McGinn forward to Watkins. Back to Ramsey and bang forward into the net. What a goal this was! Absolutely incredible goal. The, the decision from McGinn to just toss it into Watkins as well, just give him a ball to win. It's brilliant. And the, the, the worst thing about the goal is that McGinn probably mishits the ball by two inches. But, <laughs> but what does that matter when it's going to Ollie Watkins' head? Ollie Watkins' brain, like what a header! Yeah. Like, I think he does the percentages in his head and it's. He's doing that before Trippy walks into the fucking casino because that's definitely a penalty if Watkins does decide to shoot. Yeah. But what a decision. What a header from Watkins. And then it's just about whether JJ has a cool head because we know he has the technique and it's absolutely perfect. Like The, the goal is so good. Even though he's there in the vicinity, Buendia didn't even peel away celebrating on his own, taking credit for the goal. He just gave <laughs> it the, the double fist bumps. I mean, he also didn't immediately run to the goal scorer, but anyway. <laughs> 
And then there was an offside in between the first and second goal. And it was just really... I remember when Watkins was going through, I had a, oh, come on, please. Because, well, you always want Watkins to score anyway, but we had been dominating. But Newcastle made a couple of subs. They had their first sort of sighted goal with that Isaac crossing to Wilson. There was a few changes. It was like, how how much longer are Villa going to be able to keep this up? They've missed chances along the way. And then Watkins goes through. And it's just... it's. It's Moreno like he was doing all day, nicking in front, winning the ball back, and just playing it through to Watkins. Like, what? Many times do we say this with a Watkins chance or a Watkins goal? Just make football look so easy sometimes. He just he just points. He says, I can run here if you, if you play it. And Moreno, it's a good ball. <laughs> but that's it. That's what gets you through once again the best defence in the league. And a really good defence that Tyndall's put together. But it's just, look, I'll, I'll run in there, play it in there. Moreno plays it in. Watkins gets in. How often as well was it just running onto his right foot. We always say sometimes he has to go on to his left. He just kept like taking touches in this game and getting it onto his right. And this time he has the finish and this time he's just offside. I think when we saw the picture, it was like, ah, for fuck's sake. He knew his knee was in front. An absolutely amazing run from Moreno as well in the build-up to it. And then it's yeah. a brilliant ball inside the defender. Like What a pass and what a shit finish from Ollie Watkins. But luckily, <laughs> luckily for him, if Pope tried to pray, he'd break his fucking wrists. What was that about? <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> well, the second goal that did count, it was that underhead pass from Buendia. I keep talking about it when the defence is running back, when it looks like Watkins is going to go in behind because he's always going in behind. Buendia just takes a bit off it and makes Watkins pull back out to receive it and and then Watkins drops it off to him again. Again knocks it to the left. You think he's going to bang it. Then he stands it up in the box and uh, is it sort of gone? Moreno's like, no, I'll just come back on side. Just give it to me now. I'm back on side. <laughs> and he gives it to him. And it's this Moreno character. Has there ever been... No, we can't say turnaround because he was very new when initially we were like, Jesus, this guy's a bit of a loose cannon on the left. But my God, how many chances does he create? Like, has there ever been such a rise in such a quick space of time as this boy's as this boy is producing for Aston Villa? And he just always knocks it round the tackle. They think he's going to cross it. He's got so much pace. He's so nimble. Always seems to have the ball under control, even when he doesn't have it under control. Plays it into Watkins, who touches it. I mean, Dan Burns having a nightmare at this stage. Watkins has his back to him, touches it, knocks it through his legs. Dan Burns comes off then. <laughs> But again, it's the speed of the play up until McGinn got it. And that should have been the end of the move. But Saudi Arabia were so bad, they froze when McGinn's brain froze. And he couldn't make he couldn't make a decision, it looked like. And then they just let him shuffle it out and shuffle it out to, to Moreno. And you're right, he gets so many opportunities for Aston Villa. And we're not hiding it either. Like, you know, Emery's not trying to cover this. It's like, <laughs> this is how we're getting in every game. And nobody has been able to stop it because Emery's so good at shuffling the teams around that it's just constantly on for Moreno to get in. And we were really worried about his defensive play, but I don't think we were ever worried about his attacking output for Aston Villa. He's been absolutely incredible. But how many times have I called for this as well? Have a shot. Get it away. Don't adjust your body. Do something unexpected. I'm, I'm telling you, in September, Ollie Watkins was taking another touch there or he was moving a standing foot. He was trying to run around the ball. Yeah. Instead, he just hit it in a really awkward fashion. Like, had to dig the ball. Like, he kicked into the ground almost to get it, just get it away quickly. And that's, you don't have to strike the ball perfectly if you do it before the keeper's set, before the keeper's ready. That's why people should do it way more often. Yeah. Speaking of shuffling the opposition around, I mean, the football we played throughout the whole game was amazing, but then when they were 2-0 up, 
how often did you see a Newcastle player come and flying in sometimes from behind the guy on the ball and they just knocked it out to somebody else they were they were just shifting it to each side of the pitch very effortlessly and the crowd were loving it and it's Watkins again for the third goal it's on the right hand side looks like the, the play stopping again Ashley Young is thinking about feigning injury because it looks like he might have lost it so he holds his face then Donker just says no here I've got it back for us <laughs> then Donker gives it back to him John McGinn takes it then he's got Matt Target at one side he's got one of the long staffs I'm not sure which one it is either at the <laughs> other side of him and then he realises hang on this is Matt Target and one of the long staffs I'll just, I'll just go between the two of them <laughs> And McGinn literally just runs between the two of them, holds the two of them off, gets it across, Watkins. It isn't a great finish, is it? But it's Nick Pope and goals who I don't know what's happening with him today. Watkins sort of stands there as if, can I celebrate that finish? I haven't hit it yet. <laughs> but you know what? Is that 11 goals in 12 games? I fuck this. I'm out of here. I'm going to celebrate. Everybody over with me. I mean, this guy is just on fire. Pathetic little feigning of an injury from Ashley Young. But let's just nominate him for the Emmy Martinez as Ronaldo not hitting it. Shit Hauser reward. And I just assume he was trying to trick the Saudi players. And, and it works. There's there's general confusion. And McGinn exploits that with his arse. And it's an incredible turn. And the pass. Like, oh, John, put your arse away. It cheapens you. You have this type of thing in your armory. You don't need to go around hawking your wares. As, as a good pullback then from Buendia and JJ repays Watkins for his assist. What a dummy from Jacob Ramsey in the box. Yeah. <laughs> and you're right, Ollie Watkins probably couldn't have connected with the ball any worse. <laughs> 3-0, and there's so much more to talk about. Let's go to WhatsApp. Windows. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Let's be real. Everybody's getting paid this week. That's the way it is. We're not finding any of these boys today. But in the interest of being very demanding, as Unai Emery would say, we'll just, <laughs> we'll just keep an eye on a couple of things. Uh, Tyrone Mings did hit the ball out of play for a throw-in. He tried a nice diagonal. Tim Moreno was saying nice. It went out of play for a throw-in. So <laughs> we'll keep an eye on that. But Mings was sensational again today. And John McGinn, like they were talking about the John McGinn shot. This went to a whole new level. On the right, 
on the right sideline with his right foot. Nick Pope isn't even off his line anymore. <laughs> and McGinn just floats it out of play. That was uh, ambitious, to say the least. Yeah, but maybe he was just thinking, if I put this into the air anywhere above Nick Pope's head, we never know if he's going to get his lettuce hands involved in this or not. Just get it, get it on target, John. You don't need to get it. You don't need to get it above his head. <laughs> but you know what? It was such a good day, such a good performance that I am bringing back a category, and I'm bringing it back in a positive light because there's nothing but positivity to talk about it with. It is called Rate McGinn's Arse. <laughs> How effective was John McGinn's Arse today? It was mightily effective. Let's go through the incidents. Emmy Martin is off the deck, out to John McGinn. Byrne is planted on the halfway line behind John McGinn's arse as he takes it in his chest and pops it off. I mean, this was happening all day. There's another one. I see Young plays it up the line, very tight. Byrne is planted in the Aston Villa half behind McGinn's arse, and he gets the ball out to Dundonker. This time, Emmy Martin is out of his hands. This time, bangs it up to John McGinn holding burn off of his horse, heads it inside to Ramsey. That was the one Ramsey went powering through the middle then. This was crazy stuff, what was happening with John McGinn's horse. Yeah, and what do you think the weight difference is between John McGinn and Dan Byrne as well? Uh, I, so it's always, footballers are always way lighter than you expect because they're obviously, they've got no body fat percentage. So let's say incorrectly, I'd have to guess that Dan Byrne like if Dan Byrne was a GA player, he's fifteen stone, so he's probably <laughs> one. He's probably maybe twelve stone. So what? What would John McGinn be? Would he be ten? Yeah, ten, ten stone. Ten stone if he was a normal footballer, because like you said, they don't normally have any body fat. But John McGinn <laughs> must be carrying about two stone in this fucking arse if he's able to hold that lad off so easily. Like Dan Byrne must be six foot six. What yeah, is, is going on? Why is he holding him off like that? John McGinn's five foot nothing. It's incredible. What a fucking arse. Yeah, Dan Byrne is nearly as tall as the Leeds goalkeeper, Melier. <laughs> <laughs> How imposing he is. <laughs> there was uh, Emmy Martin is free from one of the offsides that Newcastle got. McGinn, this time he's spinning around. He's using his arse to do that spin, letting this ball fall down the wing and he's going to go around the other side. And Dan Byrne is freaking out. He clatters all over him and he gives away the free kick. Dan Byrne was so rattled in this game, wasn't he? Like he... There was one stage then just after that one that I'm talking about that he came in to really give it to McGinn because McGinn was banging him sometimes as well when he had the opportunity. Remember the one Watkins knocked flying across the... Watkins took it down and he was under a bit of pressure so he thought, I'll drill to the right to see who's there. Nobody was there because McGinn was inside. But <laughs> that damn burn was going to see it out for a throw-in and McGinn just came underneath him with a sliding tackle <laughs> to for a throw-in. So not long after, Burn thought, fuck this, I'm, I'm going to give this boy something back. And McGinn stepped away and burned, booted the ball for a goal. <laughs> 50 metres down the pitch. He was that up for winning the ball. He won the ball, but he gave it the ball back. Yeah, but you're, you're, you're talking there as if Dan Byrne has had a nightmare. It's very easy to get rattled if you're just being shat on all game by John McGinn's <laughs> like I, I, I would have done that way sooner than Dan Byrne did. So you'd have to congratulate him for that. And... This just brings back so many glorious memories at the start of the season when we all called the fact that Matt Target wasn't going to be in the Newcastle team by by Christmas. And <laughs> the abuse Newcastle fans are the glee and gloating they were giving us as well because mm-hmm. they thought they thought they were taking the Matt Target from us. And then you just look at it. Dan Byrne is the replacement. <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's go to WhatsApp Wednesdays. The first one has to start with a real life WhatsApp Wednesday that I sent to you. In all sincerity, I said, just taking a moment here, mate, to enjoy this. <laughs> and appreciate what a half that was. God, I think in all the glee and joyfulness that you forgot what WhatsApp winches are. Is that a WhatsApp winch? <laughs> it sort of is, because you know why that was sent. That was sent anticipating... The failure in the second half, anticipating the collapse. That's why I said, let's just take a moment and not forget what just happened out there. No matter what, no matter uh, what happens, let's just enjoy this. That was an enjoyable 45 minutes. I don't ask for much, do you? I actually honestly think that the, the 25 minutes at the start of the game were, were the best 25 minutes I've I've seen as an Aston Villa fan. It was just so incredible. We talked about it at the top of the show there, the intensity, the ability on the ball, the chances we were creating. It was really, really joyful. And because, either because we're such negative cunts or because we're Aston Villa fans, there was always that just fear rattling around in their heads, especially when Ramsey hit the bar and things like that. And you're thinking... Oh, for fuck's sake, what a waste of time. <laughs> I did send those exact words to somebody, my friend Steve. <laughs> he wasn't watching the game, so this annoyed me. I don't know where he was. So, I, I you know, you're, you're sort of expecting to come in and see Newcastle are winning 2-1, but not appreciate how much fella we're dominating. <laughs> <laughs> so every so often I was sending him a message saying, hit the post, thumbs up, offside goal, thumbs up, crossbar, thumbs up. And, <laughs> and it was always followed by what a waste of time. <laughs> Speaking of negative cunts, Danny on Twitter is one of us. <laughs> Danny said, Twitter wins, WhatsApp wins, it's all the same. He said, can the crowd not shout shit for a donker shot? That's, that's, that's fair enough, isn't it? That's, that's, that's fair enough. It absolutely is. I mean, like, but, but not only that, the, uh, Andy Townsend and fucking Cocom said, why not afterwards? Why not? I can think of a few fucking reasons. <laughs> And the crowd then shouting shoot as well beforehand. Like, what have you been shooting up, lads? Fuck me. <laughs> Third WhatsApp winch. That's Almiron back from injury now, is it? <laughs> Add it to the list. Another player out for a long time back against Aston Villa. <laughs> it was great to have him back as well, then, because it just, you know, it lets it all recede into the distance, the amount of things that new. That Saudi Arabia, Jesus, Saudi Arabia's fans could uh <laughs> Saudi Arabia fans can can you know put forward as excuses. Almiron wasn't playing. Ah, he was though, wasn't he? <laughs> the last WhatsApp one Gareth Southgate is really finding this tough to look at, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, and speaking about Andy Townsend being an idiot as well, before the game he was like, Oh, we all know we all know he's gonna be cheering for the home side today. What the fuck are you on, Andy? <laughs> Was Andy Townsend not in the Villa squad whenever Gareth Southgate fucking left? Whenever Gareth Southgate handed in a transfer request as well? Has he not fucking watched Gareth Southgate sitting in the stands every fucking Aston Villa game looking like a dire cunt, looking like he's upset that Jack Reedus is forcing his hand? What is wrong? Does Andy Townsend not watch football? I'm just realising the amount of people who probably watch this game on BT Sport. Like, why are they... Why are they talking about <laughs> Andy Townsend? It wasn't Andy Townsend, was it? Andy Townsend doesn't have a scouse, thick accent like Steve McManaman, does it? <laughs> yeah, but um, I, I was just comparing it with the very opposite fixture, reverse fixture, when Villa got hammered at uh, St. James's Park, where 
he was high fiving Amanda Stavely when Callum Wilson scored. <laughs> <laughs> he looked so miserable when what I was like, oh no, like another per- another player I'm going to get asked about and I'm going to leave out because I have to pick the best players. That that's going to be a quote from him. <laughs> he probably perked up whenever Wilson came on as well. Yeah. Anyway, we'll leave that there. We've got loads of awards to hand out after this. You mean it's like a fucking excited dog? Doggy Louise. There's no point in all fucking three running over the ball. It's like someone, someone has to kick it. I honestly don't think Doggy knows what what routine is being called. You mean it's like a fucking excited dog? Like just. Just happy to be there. McGinn and Bundia run over the ball and fucking Doggy comes bounding in. What, what are we doing guys? Running over the ball? Is it all? Oh, that looks like fun. Oh, you guys are the best. Do- Doggy should have spent the next 20 minutes licking his neck, snapping at his ankles, humping his legs. Yeah. Like a good boy. That looks like fun. Oh, you guys are the best. No, where are you going? You're the last one. You have to hit it. That's a bad doggy. Let's go through some of these chances that you always look back on a bit more fondly now after you hammer a team and you keep getting the chances. It's the Rossenthal Award. First one, very, very start of the game, the very first minute. Ollie Watkins off the post. It sort of set the tone, didn't it? Ramsey just gets turned. His back was in great form today. He was holding players off and running around the other side of them and bursting and picking those passes. And just another just another ball through for Watkins. I mean, Fabian Schar will know the back of Ollie Watkins' head like nobody else will ever know the back of that head. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because Jacob Ramsey's in too good a shape to ever claim that it, his, it was his arse that was on for him today. <laughs> it, it's brilliant for Mings initially after Moreno's hospital pass back to him. For Mings. He absolutely drills the ball back to Mings and Mings hammers it back up the pitch. Ramsey does well to read the shit header from Trippier. <laughs> and what a ball then as well and what a run from Ollie he does amazingly to get there and get his body in the way and on his left foot this is what I want Ollie Watkins cutting across his body with his left foot into the bottom corner he kicks it into the ground that gets it over the keeper's ankle and it's <laughs> off the post <laughs> he is a master of, of getting it over the keeper by kicking it into the ground <laughs> he forced a save then off Nick Pope with his right foot this time he caught it inside there was two of them this one was a bit closer he tried to knock it to the left of Pope it's another ball from Ramsey and uh, yeah Watkins has plenty of time he's going through cuts on these right takes the shot yeah it's like yeah, it has a brilliant ball from Ramsey as well he just says get after that son I mean poor, poor Ollie Watkins like, he really does have everything but we treat him like a piece of meat <laughs> you know, remember we got Alan McMahon to play in our five aside team never kicked the ball in his life but it was a, was a hurler and would run all day and would run really aggressively after the ball. And every time I we played with him the, for the first five weeks, I was just so intent on convincing him he was a good footballer. I was just going to sicken him a ball, just roll the ball in front of him, no matter what position he was. I was like, go after Go, Alan, go! That's how we play with Ollie Watkins, who is an absolutely elite centre-forward. He can do everything that you'd want the centre-forward to do. We just play so many balls down the channel and ask him to get it. 
Yeah, maybe that's why we have such fondness for effective Ollie Watkins, even without the output of Ollie Watkins. It's just somebody, it just, it just gives us good memories at that time we could relieve our own tiredness by putting it in front of somebody else to go chase after. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the probably the winner the Jacob Ramsey off the crossbar Moreno nicks in wins the ball again goes around the defender again pulls it back again and uh, ah Ramsey needs to score this doesn't he I mean he did really well to get into the box having played the original ball from <laughs> yeah, um, Ramsey needs to score this doesn't he <laughs> you said Moreno there runs around the defender he literally ran the whole way around the defender <laughs> It's not like he got to the byline. He went inside him. He got goal side of him from that position. It was yeah. absolutely incredible. And Jack, Jacob Ramsey needs to get his head over that ball and put it in the net. Bad, bad miss. There was a corner that came in from our left wing as we were looking up the pitch in an attacking sense. And it goes to the other side. goes to the right wing. And Watkins goes and retrieves it. We say, go after that, Ollie. Go get it. <laughs> <laughs> and Ollie Watkins goes, gets it. And he crosses it in. I think Kanza tried to get there, didn't. Buendia does get up, and he only gets a glance of a header on. Like, you really do expect more from Buendia in the box. I think Andy Townsend said, oh, the, the least likely players. Like, well, you haven't watched Emmy Buendia play enough or get up like a salmon into there enough. Um, Buendia got up, and he just didn't get the connection on it with his head. Yeah, speaking about Andy Townsend being an absolute moron who doesn't watch football, most unlikely of goal scorers of his head. What are you talking about, Andy? <laughs> Uh, Moreno through the Watkins that was an aller just point and run like point like, here we go if you play it yeah you play it good ball comes in on his right it's not a great shot it's far too close to Pope this time but it's a David De Gea save he just kicks it away from himself yeah I think I think we're a bit implicated in this one to be honest particularly you you know the with your I'm happy enough of our centre forward shooting there I, I I don't want him shooting when Buendia is on the penalty spot in five yards of space, five yards away from him. Like, get, roll that ball to Emmy Buendia, Ollie, come on. Yeah. Newcastle only had one, really, that I remember. It was the the one that Isaac sent four, four of our players the same way. <laughs> he, he, he just sort of dropped his hip. Like, he's like, I might shoot there, and all four of them went to block it. I, I admire how much they were all tuned into the block, but not all four of you need to be doing it. And he was able to just readjust and hit it with the same foot. Didn't even need to bring it onto his left foot. They all went that far over. And it's a decent save from, from Emmy Martinez. Yeah, it's a decent save from Emmy Martinez, who made it look like he had just won the fucking Premier League for Aston Villa before he went over to the crowd. <laughs> the crowd going. Yeah. I assumed it was an amazing save because of that as well, but unfortunately for Emmy, there was a replay of it. But in the build-up to that as well, then Donker looked like he couldn't move. Like He just let the cross come in. It was mad. Kind of ambled over to, to the corner flag, but didn't get there in time, surprisingly. Yeah. And yeah, that was absolutely so graphic. It was... Yeah, he, did he drop his left shoulder? The ball never moved once. Four players go after it. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Yeah, he just he just dropped his left shoulder. They all ran out of the way, and he stood in the exact same spot, and <laughs> and then just kicked it when they all parted for him. He stood in the same spot. The ball stayed in the same spot. <laughs> <laughs> Our entire defense didn't stay in the same spot. The last nomination, another big one. I don't think there's any beating the Jacob Ramsey one, but. It was the not the John McGinn shot from the sideline, but the John McGinn shot from just the edge of the box. It was three v three. It was McGinn, Ramsey, and Buendia. The, the boys you've been crying out for to get more majors. Go, go get them because <laughs> because Ollie Watkins is doing all the work for us, and there's three of you going through. It was just after the offside goal as well. There was a bit bit of overexcitement. McGinn just ah, come on, like 
there's a time and a place for me again to try and pick out that spot, but it didn't need to do it this time. If everybody was back for Newcastle and they had a bit of space, go for it. Have, have that shot for the top left corner. But ah, come on, we can work something there, 3v3. Yeah, they, we definitely could have worked something. And I just even think if McGinn is going to shoot, McGinn can just take a different shot as well because yeah. there's one player in front of him and he's gone down onto his knees praying McGinn doesn't score and yeah. works. But McGinn has to just drill that across the ground if he is deciding to shoot. There's no need for that. You're absolutely right. Only one nomination for the Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. Such was how good the performance was, but there's a couple of people implicated in this. Alex Moreno was in the left. It was a Villa throw. There was... Obviously, a lot of Newcastle players pushed up because we had a throw-in deep in our half. And and he, he comes inside. Like he's so good at just running past the first tackle. And then he just tries to bang one across the edge of the box. I don't even know what he was seeing. It got caught out very quickly by Bruno, I think. And this is the one that leads to the Isaac shot at the very start. Well, not the very start of the game, the first half. And we got they got a corner out of it. But as Villa looked to have rescued the situation... Emmy Buendia starts using his arse at the edge of the box. Try- Wait, how often was he trying to hold off Bruno Gomez? Like, I talk about a weight difference. There's, there's probably a bigger weight difference between him and Buendia than there is between Byrne and John McGinn. Like, Emmy Buendia's arse is fucking sensational at the other side of the halfway line. Stop using it at this side of the halfway line. And that just gave Newcastle their first look at Emmy Martinez. Yeah, Bandia has this thing in his head where he he mistakes himself for John McGinn. I think I mean, you, you don't get an arse like John McGinn drinking mate, mate. That's fucking years of iron brew and chips on the streets of Glasgow. <laughs> I, I don't know how Bandia has gotten this into his head. And for my Isaac, again, that comes back to that point. It's a great hit. I mean, I've wondered about this a few times. Why don't players do it more often when you haven't gotten the ball set where you want it? Get the shot away before you're swallowed up. And he did that, and it was a really good spank that had. Martinez worried and he nearly made a mess of it as well because it moves so much in the air but he does well to get it away yeah Emmy Martinez was not happy about it because like especially when you're playing against Newcastle you don't want to be given them opportunities the Ron Saunders do you want to bet against his quote of the week that's right John Gregory has moved aside for the run in here now as we're actually <laughs> going for it as European football is live this one comes from Unai Emery, obviously, and it comes from before the Newcastle game. He was asked about the European push before the game. My God, he said, I am not here to waste time. <laughs> in football, everything happens so quickly and you have to be ready when you have that opportunity in front of you. We have that now. This boy is inspiring. <laughs> But this, this is the this is the big thing. Whenever teams are shit, whenever they've taken their foot off the pedal, you have to absolutely exploit that. You have to take advantage of teams being shit, like Leicester did whenever they won the title. Leicester obviously were brilliant that year, but yeah. it was a massive drop off from a load of teams completely inexplicably. And at the start of the season, I was I thought this was our last chance to get into the top seven, not because not because I I thought. We just need to do no. Sorry, because I thought we need to do it now because Saudi Arabia are going to explode the year after that. Yeah. I didn't think they'd be Champions League this year. I thought they'd be pushing for seventh with Aston Villa if we got our act together. But I wasn't expecting Chelsea and Liverpool to just completely fall off a cliff. That was that's an absolute bonus, and now we can go higher than that. We can definitely go higher for that, and you have to be ready for moments like that. And that's that's going to be Aston Villa's life now. I think. It's going to be trying to, whenever other teams are not at it, taking advantage of that and finishing as high as we can then because of it. This is our life now. Get used to it, lads. <laughs> this is a... 
Speaking of Saudi Arabia, let's do the Ashley Westwood. Oh, he was playing a word. <laughs> Sorry, who the fuck is Jacob Murphy? <laughs> I'm like, I'm no offense. I watch a lot of football. I've seen Saudi Arabia play loads this year. He's 28. Like, where is he? Where did he come from? <laughs> How many times have I said this? And a lot of people think I'm an idiot, but. Never trust a winger who makes his breakthrough in the Premier League when he's 23. Yeah. And, and, and have you fallen for that? When he scores five goals over the next five seasons, it's really time to stop picking him. If, if a player doesn't, if a winger doesn't make his breakthrough until that age, he's not going to make it. That's his level. Wingers peak at that age. And you're bringing him into the team for the first time because he scored 10 goals in League One. Fuck me, lads. This guy's not going to work out, as has been proven over the last five years. What the fuck do you think you're playing at, picking him? Honestly, I sat down nervous, very nervous about this game all day, especially when I got caught out. Didn't realise until very late that Villa were playing at half twelve. <laughs> some reason, I thought it was three o'clock. But I sit down for the teams just being thrown up on the screen. And Speaking of wingers you aren't going to make it Anthony Gordon <laughs> he's on one side and then Jacob Murphy's on the other and I was like what this team is not good Anthony Gordon's definitely not good like, Anthony Gordon is actually and a big nomination for the IC West but oh, he was playing award when he came off it was like oh for gods it was like Newcastle were back to 11 players it was, it was so, <laughs> so anonymous Ashley Young just wrapped him up they didn't have to do much work to do it he's he's such a a non-Eddie Howe player because they, they have been going well. They've been going really well and it's based on everybody being tuned in, everybody being aggressive, being physically at it, being smart. They've all been smart. They all know what they're doing. They all work hard. They all do the right thing in the right situation. This guy is... What is he doing out there? Completely, completely different entity to what Saudi Arabia have been all season and they've dropped him in and they're starting him. They're starting him after he was a little prick in the very last game. <laughs> and you're thinking, oh, this is going to get a reaction now because he was a because he was a prick. And I'll put my faith in him and now he can put his money where his mouth is. Well, he's got a way bigger mouth than he has money, it seems. <laughs> yeah, and Anthony, Anthony Gordon has a reputation because Todd Bohley tried to sign him. Todd Bohley would sign his own fucking forehead with a permanent marker. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a sign of a good player and we called this at the time whenever Chelsea were sniffing around them we were Anthony Gordon what he's fast they couldn't dribble his way out of a fucking baby girl he'd be, he'd be sitting there covered in rust crumbs and apple juice and his ma would just be looking back at him in disgust what have I brought into this world Anthony Gordon's not a serious footballer fucking forget about him add him to the list yeah add him to the list and it does it shows the level of investment that still is needed up there. They will get it and they will go from strength to strength. And they have done a good job considering what they have at the minute to, to be confirming Champions League so early in the season as well. It looks like it's um it's pretty good because you said it already at the top of the show, bringing Matt Target on. like the, This guy, <laughs> it's surplus to requirements. He would be Villa's third choice left back now, maybe. Would he even be? Would you be happy that he's the third choice left back and he's coming on to chase a game against Villa? That's that, that's weird. Like that that's weird that they're still using my target and they're so far further ahead down the line. Like they're, they're a year further down the line, really, with a lot of investment to come. But like, yeah, they're they're just the team isn't that good yet. 
Oh, like I would definitely be picking Ashley Young over lockdown, Maddie. There's no way, yeah. there's no way he'd be Aston Villa's third choice left back. Yeah, winner has to go to Anthony Gordon, though, right? Definitely, it was absolutely anonymous. I mean, if he didn't have that stupid haircut, you wouldn't have saw him on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> the Tim Sherwood, we played two number tens and bamboozled them. Award. I think bringing in Leander Dendonker for this game was such a good move. I don't even mean for the performance level that we got out of Leander Dendonker, and this guy is going to get all the praise that he deserves in the Vineman meter, but he did play really well too. But <laughs> I think just for the... I was worried about Bailey or Trerori coming up against Dan Byrne and getting swallowed up his arsehole. Instead, <laughs> instead, it was the other way around. McGinn was the perfect player for Dan Byrne. He was like he, he was going to come inside. He was going to hold the ball up. He wasn't going to go meandering down into the corner flag. He didn't do that once against Dan Byrne. He just planted him, like I said, so often on the halfway line and brought all our players in. McGinn was brilliant and it was great to see him back in that position and it just, oh, it just made us more solid all over the pitch, and yeah, the Donker played well too. Yeah, and you'd have to have to give a lot of credit to Ricky as well in the in the medical team for bringing the Donker back from the dead. I, I, <laughs> I know he's got a lot of respect in the game, but I didn't think he I didn't think it was that good. And then Donker, then Donker played well, but it was absolutely the right decision for the the structure of the team. And when you think about all the knock on, like, sorry, we talked about the exploitation of space as well, but when you just think about. You think about how, how all the individual players performed then because because of that one change. Jacob Ramsey was absolutely incredible and John McGinn was absolutely incredible as well. And because because of the running of those two guys and the havoc they were causing, it freed up Ollie Watkins so much as well, even even in his own head because he knew that he didn't have to drift to the left, he didn't have to drift to the right, he could play in that position that he, that he has been so effective in recently. And Buendia was buzzing around incredibly. It was... Such such a good call to bring back in Ben Donker. Yeah. Second nomination. Selling Danny Ings. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, no hurt, no mean spiritness directed at Danny Ings at all. But what a decision. Just just get rid of him and say, Ollie, no, look at you, you're you're the striker. And we we had sort of, you know, I don't often get to do victory laps, but somebody wants to go back into the archives. I did say there is something there was something in having Danny Ings there that almost, it wasn't even a rivalry or a competition that made these two players better. It was like, ah, sure, if I don't do well, he, he can play. <laughs> they were almost too soft about it. Taking him out and saying, it's you or nobody. Fucking go and score. It's, it's, I've never, like, imagine taking that competition for places away and saying, and this player's going to go on this ridiculous run that he's never gone on before in his life. It's, yeah, like well, obviously the work that he's done with Watkins goes hand in hand of it too. The, the stats we were they were talking about in the Forest game last week about he's got less touches and he's he's running less kilometers in the game, but he's obviously way more effective. They're making him into an even better striker than he was, and they're doing that by getting rid of the competition. A, a proven goal scorer like Danny. <laughs> yeah, it's like you said. If if I don't score, the other one can score. If I don't. If I don't score, Jared can ask the other one to give him more. Is a large part of it as well, and a large part of the reason why Ollie Watkins is running less is because Aston Villa have the ball a lot more as yeah. well. So he's doing a lot less closing, a lot less pressing, and the team is set up so much more effectively as well that it makes so much more sense for Ollie Watkins to be hanging around where he is hanging around now. And yeah, like 
getting rid of Danny Ings at the time we said it ah, doesn't matter like it's, it leaves us a bit exposed if Ollie Watkins get in, gets injured but Ollie Watkins is a much superior footballer to Danny Ings so let's just get on with the rest of the season and see if he can score every fucking game <laughs> the only other nomination I have for the Tim Sherwood we played two number 10s and bamboozled them award was nice corner routine from Austin McPhee saw it a couple of times there it's, it's the one that's banged into jump again from Dougie or vice versa when they're on the end line and it gets played to the edge of the box so there was one really nice example of it corners on our left wing Douglas Louise plays it in swinger but not in swinger he just passes it along to jump again who rolls it to the edge of the box for Ashley Young and you think he's going to shoot and he sort of cuts it to Douglas Louise he's now at the corner of the box unfortunately it was a pretty bad cut from Ashley Young who bobbled the ball to Douglas Louise so it wasn't a <laughs> wasn't a great ball in but just a nice way of opening the opening the the shape up really yeah i mean we had a few different variations of it as well and for some reason saudi arabia didn't bother sending anybody out at any yeah. stage because yeah. douglas louise was doing it on the other side for john mcginn as well and they, they didn't they didn't think maybe we should stop this because they seem to have a few things worked out here that we don't know yet so maybe we should just at least put a player on them and <laughs> that one that when they nearly got the header and that came from a short corner where john mcginn banged it across the face of the box in as well you can't be just letting players like doug Douglas Louise and John McGinn cross the ball from 18 yards from your front post. It's yes. silly. Let's do the Vyman meter. A lot of people going up. There's going to be a bloody explosion on this meter by the end of the season, I'd say. But only, only Alex Moreno could be put on his arse on the halfway line and still recover to block the cross 40 meters down the pitch. Do you know what's really weird about Alex Moreno? And we, we talked about this last week whenever we said he's crossing the ball from the advertising hoardings, he's running the ball 10 yards out of play and crossing it in. It, it never looks like he's moving that fast until you see him in comparison to other players. <laughs> his, his legs aren't moving particularly quickly underneath his body. There's something so strange about him biomechanically. And he just, but he seems to eat up the ground. Yeah. And I think that's why we think he's going to overrun the ball every time he's attacking, because he just doesn't look like he's moving quickly. Yeah. Bizarre. And he did incredibly to get back there. But this is the thing that had me so worried about Alex Moreno in the first place. What was what happened to him there? Like, how, how did he get he get turned by a shimmy and he ended up going six yards away from the player and slipping on his arse and banging into Douglas Louise? Douglas Louise just pushed him. Go, go! <laughs> and he did go. <laughs> I don't know how he caught up, but it was Jacob Murphy. Of course, he caught up. And, uh, let's be honest. I have no idea if Jacob Murphy's fast or not. <laughs> Uh, shout out for Ezra Konza. Did you see the ball to Watkins? The ball over the top diagonal and Watkins dropped it off to Ramsey who didn't didn't shoot from the edge of the box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was an incredible pass and I think Jacob did the right thing. There was a lot of bodies in front of him this time to be fair. Yeah. Emmy Martin as his passing is getting serious now, isn't it? On the fucking feet now, he's moving his way down. It was six inches above their head, crown their head, chest, and now he's down to their feet. It's it's incredible. And he's doing it in tight areas as well. Like, you know, there's, there's players close. He's dinking it over players' heads, and it's landing at Moreno and Young's feet. It's it's incredible. Yeah, there's only one potential going down. I'll come back to a few more going up. But <laughs> have you ever been less excited when the commentator says, Buendia has gone down off the ball? Uh-huh. <laughs> You know they're not going to look at that seriously, and yeah, we look at it, and Dan Byrne was rattled, and he was you know, throwing his arms around. But yeah, Buendia sometimes forgets that there's going to be a replay, and they are going to look at it, and yeah, they're going to decide very quickly that he's at it. 
<laughs> he's at it as putting it politely let's get up you don't need to get Dan Byrne sent off if anything we want them to stay on and we want them to stay on without you cheating as well mate. Yeah. my target's about to come on for him as well let, let, <laughs> let this go don't intervene uh, Leander Dundonker I mean the best thing I can say about him is that he reminded me of Tim Tim get the food in the rugby him <laughs> <laughs> how often was he just getting the food and taking the ball off people and you're right like that that chance that they had when the ball got put across and Isaac sent everybody for a for a chipper it was like he, that was the first time I realized this boy doesn't really sprint I don't know if he can like he just seems to jog around but for the most part if you keep him away from the flanks if you keep him away from having to track back and stuff he'll just jog over and put his foot in and take the ball <laughs> off <people. laughs> and, he, and he did it over and over he made it look so easy because he was jogging but he run over take the ball <laughs> off him, and just rolled to Douglas Louise and that was it we were away again they didn't have to do anything special on the ball back rolled it to Douglas Louise we're away let's go you called him Inspector Gadget whenever we first signed him. Yeah, that's right, his first start. Yeah, he just seemed to have these extendable legs and he would just be poking the ball away. Yeah, it was it was an incredible performance from him. And I'm I'm delighted for him as well because I, I, I don't I didn't know where his career was going up and <laughs> Honestly, I thought he was just letting it drift by. I thought he I thought he was done. I thought he was done as a done as a fucking human, never mind as a professional footballer. I thought he'd just given up on life. And delighted that he's come in in such a big game as well to have such a big performance. Yeah, it changes everything. It just gives us more options as well. The like, there's so many reasons why we can always talk about this guy going up. But have you more often in your life said the words "Good man, doggy"? <laughs> like, just, oh, getting the shoulder and he was up for it, wasn't he? Like, just so often, fifty-fifty challenges coming flying into them. Often the ball was in the air after deflection, and he was getting up and winning the header. He was, he was beating people to the sideline, shouldering them away from. Him. He was Jesus. That was the most tough performance that from Douglas Louise. Like so often, I was just I had that feeling in the pit of my stomach that that the primal thing. Good man, Dougie. Like that. That's that's what I want to see. And like obviously, it combines it all with being a good footballer too. Yeah, such a good boy. I mean, he's definitely earned a few belly rubs tonight. <laughs> and there, there was one where Moreno played a blind pass around the corner and Douglas Louise has to recover it and he goes in with a crunch and slide and tackle and gets the ball back and he gets back up and he just fucking barks at Moreno. He's like, you know, come on! this yeah. not, We haven't fucking dominated this game for you to fucking dick around and concede a <laughs> stupid goal. And then, of course, you know, in the second half, Dougie Louise does exactly the same thing and plays a blind pass to Tyrone Mays. <laughs> if it's... It's oh, it was only ever going to be a brain fart from someone that could uh that could let Saudi Arabia back into that game. And if you need a brain fart, it's Douglas Louise from twelve months ago. But he's been so dominant for the last what five months that I was not expecting to play that pass at Tyrone Mings. But luckily Mings got him out of it because it would have ruined an otherwise perfect performance. Yeah, maybe Ashley Young deserves a mention on the Vimin meter because. Not because of the job he, he didn't have to do on Anthony Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> but because when Gordon went off, Newcastle obviously looked better. And then Young very quickly realised, this referee's a bit of an idiot. I, I can just chop people down instead of having to chase them. You know, <laughs> Isaac's just dropped that ball off and he, he's got a march on me. I'm fucked. Ah, I'll just bang him down. The ref isn't going to give any yellow cards out today. It was mental, wasn't it? Because Gamerish and Ramsey definitely both should have been booked in the first yeah. 25 minutes. Because not only did the both commit really cynical fouls as people are running past them. The two of them did it did three in a row within the space of about five minutes. <laughs> it's like, how more blatant could it be? First off, it's persistent fouling. 
Secondly, it, they're all yellow card offences and yeah. in the 50th minute of the game. What was he playing at? It was mad. He had no interest in it at all. Yeah. Ollie Watkins obviously going up. Um, Jacob Ramsey's going up. Tyrone Mings is going up. Like Everybody basically is going up. It was, it was such a good performance. Yeah, absolutely. All our players are going up. And the only thing I can think of that's going down is our purported rivalry with Newcastle United. <laughs> like, can you can you imagine they they hate us because we we unfurl the banner? What like, what they don't seem to understand is that it, it was really funny. Like, I know it's it's a bit galling to have a banner laughing at you as you're getting relegated, but it was very fucking funny. And they, they got rid of Houghton to get to get a Tyneside legend and who knows the club to yeah. save them from relegation. And he picked up five points in eight games. Like that, that's fucking funny, Conan. But, but miraculously as well, all they had to do, because the rest of the teams like Sunderland and Hull were so shit, all they had to do was not lose in their last game of the season. And they were playing against Aston Villa, who had only made one team lose in the previous 15 games, and who, who had nothing to play for as well. They were they were in the Europa League playoff round, that's where they were going to finish. They were going to finish fifth or sixth, but it didn't fucking matter. But they did lose for the fifth time in his eight games, in their Saviour's eight games. And I think it's fair enough to ask who was next, Anton Deck, because they know the club as well, and they know the city. But not only that, because they were also on TV on a Saturday making an absolute tit of themselves. And I don't think I don't think enough people appreciate how bad an appointment it was to bring in Alan Shearer. He was on match of the day for two or three years, telling us all he couldn't do the job. Telling us all he didn't have a fucking clue about football. And they still got him in. Ridiculous. As if we weren't going to laugh at that. Justice for the banner unfurlers. Can you imagine how traumatising... It is if you are a Newcastle fan and you've come into this podcast to listen to it to see what we had to say. It's a bad enough performance from you. It's probably your worst performance of the season. I know you realise somebody's gone and dug into the 2009 season. (laughs) (laughs) And you're looking to cash these receipts 14 years. (laughs) But speaking of knowing the club, how how does Richard Keyes square square the fact that you and I, Emery, knew nothing about Aston Villa when he came? (laughs) How does he square that Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, all these managers who've done pretty alright jobs knew nothing about the clubs that they took over? He he was at, at it again. It's probably the most perfect Richard Keyes tweet of all time. I mean, one of those ones that has 1,039 likes and it's got 1,824 quote tweets. <laughs> and I fail to see what Julian Nagelsmann knows that Frank Lampard doesn't. <laughs> Uh, let's have a look at a, a couple of jobs that, they, that they've each done <laughs> it's a straight choice between two I'd go with the legend that knows Chelsea inside out <laughs> not someone who might have a more impressive powerpoint display but knows nothing about the club or our league I mean, like, <laughs> which is not one of the things that Lampard's fanboys bandy about that he, he gave a really good powerpoint presentation to get the was it the Derby job or the Chelsea job maybe um, like that, that was one of the things that they, they used to, to show that Frank Lampard actually has more going on than just that's one for the players <laughs> <laughs> I mean how does Richard Keyes how, 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 what do you think he thinks when he sees you and I Emery going and doing this I, yeah. I think you're giving too much credit to what's going on in Richard Keyes' brain there by, by assuming he thinks 
by stating that by asking me what does he think he doesn't think Conan <laughs> that tweet couldn't have been any more evidence of the fact that he doesn't tweet who are the most successful managers in the Premier League Pep Guardiola Alex Ferguson Arsene Wenger why am I doing this Jose Mourinho <laughs> like I don't need to prove that that tweet makes no sense there's no manager who's won the won the Premier League because they knew the club yeah. it hasn't happened Claudio Ranieri Kenny Douglas wanted a Blackburn what the fuck does he know about Blackburn I did spend far too long, probably 10 minutes too long, going through Richard Keyes' old tweets because I knew <laughs> I knew he was after Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer at one stage and found him out of United. And I was like, well, hang on. Like, this is a guy who knew the club. He knew, he knew the very the old training ground. Not, not that's how much he knew the club. He knew the cliff. And, and then I was like looking for the right one. I was like, oh, that, that's one where he is slagging him. But it's like, what am I doing? What? Like, why, why am I trying to prove this on my own Twitter account as well? So I just ignored it, but I started bringing it up with you. Cheers for that. <laughs> um, I suppose we have ventured into questions we can't answer, but probably will there. We definitely will never be able to answer a question about Richard Keyes. <laughs> <laughs> but the only other thing I wanted to chat about is the only other story going on really outside of the games that are happening. Outside of the football. Outside of the football. It's a 2028 European bid. The Irish and Great British bid for the Euros. That'll be class. They have them all here in this vicinity. There's only two in Ireland. One of them's in Dublin. The Viva Stadium. Lovely stadium. One of them's in Belfast. Stadium that is not complete. And <laughs> <laughs> not complete? Has it started? It hasn't started at all. No, it's overgrown weeds. and It's funny... You see these old pictures of it now? Because it's, it's, it's Casement Park. It's Antrim GA Stadium in Belfast. And uh, it, it, like it's been derelict now for over a decade. And people sort of call back to you know, what a shame it is. And they show pictures of it current day. And you're looking at it because it has just been left untreated. But it's like, why are the bricks broken? How has that happened? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> You ever watch Walking Dead? And all the houses are just dirty and falling apart and it's like were they not still like be some buildings that are standing all right even though the rest of the world like people are rotten why are the, <laughs> why are the buildings falling apart and this was happening in casement park anyway that's one of the bids from ireland uh it's a i think part of the reason why ga people are happy about this is that the stadium will finally get built if, <laughs> if it's made a successful because there's no other way of doing it so um, they're the two ones coming from Ireland. Uh, Crook Park isn't being used because there's a one stadium, one city rule. Doesn't apply to London. Uh, Wembley and the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium are the two London ones. We've got the Principality Stadium in Cardiff. We've got the Etihad Stadium in Manchester. The Glazer Out fans love that one. <laughs> <laughs> Everton have won the bid in Liverpool. Everton Stadium is no not built either. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle have their one that that's non-political because there's only one club up there, and they've really they've really bottled it with the Glasgow choice, haven't they? They went for Hampton Park. <laughs> I mean, there's three big stadiums in Glasgow, and they picked the worst one. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible that a bid like this would go ahead whenever they're relying on a capital investment project to be delivered in Ireland. I mean, that is fucking risky, to say the least. We all, we all, we all know that stadium's not going to be ready in time for 2028, Colin. If, if the past delivery of Irish builders is anything to go by. The, the decision to pick Hamden Park, I think, is a weird one. I've just got such an aversion to football stadiums with a running track around them. 
Yeah. No matter no matter how much people tell me the atmosphere generated in Hamden Park is great, I just can't fucking believe it. They're too far away from the action, Connor. That's what I think. It's a it's a it's a strange decision as well because I or sorry, it's a strange uh, thing as well for a lot of United fans because they've been texting me complaining about this saying the boys always Old Trafford not being picked. Have you not moved on because people kept pointing out these about the fact that the Glazers have spent whatever it is, 1.5 billion on players, that the Glazers have spent money? You've had to abandon that argument and just move into talking about the stadium being a shithole. And now once the stadium's not being used, you're like, why is Old Trafford not being... Because it's a shithole! That's why it's not being used. (laughs) What's more strange is that out of all the stadiums that I named there, the only one I left out was Villa Park. Park, oh, that's because that's that's taken as a given, Connor. Yeah, yeah, and it's included the expansion of the North Stand as well, Villa Park. So it says a, a new capacity of fifty two thousand one hundred and ninety. I mean, we have to get that ready for Europa League semi final nights, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, apart from that, nothing else to really talk about. I do remember you're talking there about Ireland trying to get stadiums built. I remember the Scotland and Ireland bid was it for Euros before, and there was just this footage. There's this program in Ireland called Reading in the Years, and one of them was when the the people who decide who, who gets these tournaments were arriving in Ireland, and they were being toured around to all the sites where the stadiums could be. <laughs> if Ireland got the bid. <laughs> so it was just these people getting off the bus, looking at an empty site, and getting back onto the bus. This was the footage that we were seeing of them coming to Ireland and being <laughs> wined and dined. What do you think? <laughs> I do think it's a weird decision for for this to happen. Maybe it's based on that. <laughs> Maybe it's based on that experience. But it, it, like, it's less exciting whenever one of the countries in the bid could comfortably do it themselves. You know, England could just run this themselves. It probably would have been a more interesting, more exciting bid if it was just the other four associations were trying to that were trying to put this bid together, as opposed to just lumping England in there as well. Yeah, that'd be a way better one, actually. Anyway. We'll uh, not worry about that for now. All we'll worry about is the push that continues to push. And we are still top six. Brighton are putting us under a bit of pressure. Frank Lampard's going to see to that. But we're just going to enjoy all these results. They told us, they told us, we told you, that it's going to be harder from here on in. And here we are. First test. Past the flying colours. Saudi Arabia ran out of town. Humbled, humiliated. Unai Emery marches on. What a day that was. Enjoy it. Enjoy the week. And we'll see you for the Brentford game. All the best. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 